Thank you for tuning in to Tuolumne Community Baptist Church, our podcast. My name's George, pastor here at the church, and I'm so glad that you have tuned in. Today we're in John chapter 10. What an amazing chapter. Of course, I think I say it every week. Every chapter is amazing, and, and it truly is. John, the Gospel of John, is is a place where we really learn to understand who Jesus is. Today, he's going to talk to us about our enemies. We do have enemies. Um, what a great chapter this is. I hope you enjoy it. We're going to get started here in just a few minutes. God bless, and come out and see us sometime here at Tuolumne Community Baptist. Thank you. This started for our podcast listeners. We're in John chapter 10. We've been in a sermon series for 10 weeks now entitled In the Beginning. And we're going through the book of John chapter by chapter. And I'm telling you, John is never ending. It just, you know, chapter 9 after that, I go, can we top that? And we get into chapter 10, it's like, what's going to happen next week in 11? It's just an amazing place. It's, it's the place where we always direct new believers to go to the book of John. Read John first. You'll get a, an idea of who Christ is and all that he's done for us and how much he loves us. So for us that have been serving the Lord for a while, I think it's real important that we go back and that we look at it and we learn. John puts it together in a way that it works into our everyday lives. And in John chapter 10, Jesus makes a statement that includes you. You're in there. You want to see your name? Oh man, you guys are asleep. Wake up. You're in there. I'm going to try to do this myself. more times can I say uh oh did I hit from the beginning there it is there it is I've already missed a few slides but here we are John 10 15 16 we're going to see this a little later on as the father knows me even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. That's you. Them I must bring, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Amen? That's just amazing that Jesus included us in there. You guys ready for your pop quiz? Okay. What were the Pharisees looking for when they continually asked how Jesus healed the blind man's eyes? What were they looking for? Yeah, but what was specifically, what were they looking for? How he worked, right? How did he do it? How, what, what did he do? What sort of surgery did he do on you? What was it? Well, they knew that it was a Sabbath and they were trying to trick Jesus up by breaking the Sabbath. Number two, 
Why were the parents of the blind man afraid to tell the Pharisees that Jesus, that it was Jesus who opened the blind man's eyes? No. They were afraid of getting kicked out of the church. That's what they were afraid of. Yes, amen. So point number one in today's message, the sheep. We're going to start with the sheep. Who are the sheep? That's right. We are. John 10, 1 and 2 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up another way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now there's a lot, a lot of controversy about that, the way it starts out, John 10, 1 and 2. I've heard some pretty great, crazy explanations of this doorway, the sheepfold. But let me tell you simply, Jesus is the door. And that's what he was talking about. This confused has confused people throughout time. And it's interesting that he says that they don't come up another way like the thief and a robber. Do you know there's a difference between the two? Oh, Jim Reville, he could tell you the difference because he works in the jail system. You know, a thief will just come and steal something out of your yard. He'll take your rake. You left it out there. You were raking your leaves and you left it. A thief will come by and pick up that rake and take it. A robber will break into your house when you're home. A robber is a robbery is when you are affected. If he's got a weapon, now he's an armed robber. He's not just a thief, but he's a robber. So it's interesting that Jesus shows us that there is a thief and a robber who comes. Let's look at the next verse. John 3, it says, To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by the name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the stranger. It's really interesting that Jesus uses this similitude because they understood sheep herding. This was probably the biggest industry of their time in this culture was sheep herding. And the sheep herders would move all around. Some say, well, it's a parable. No, I think it's a similitude. He takes the customs of the East shepherding in the management of the sheep. Men and creatures, depending on their creator, are so-called sheep of his pasture. The church, the church of God in the world is the sheepfold. This world that we live in is the sheepfold. And it's exposed to deceivers, and, and persecutors. The great shepherd of the sheep is Jesus, and Jesus knows all that are his. Do you realize that he knows who you are? Yes. He knows that you are his. He guards them by his providence and guides them by his spirit and word and goes before us. God, just to think that Jesus goes before us. Eastern shepherds went before their sheep to set them in the way of his steps. Masters must serve the sheep in their spiritual concerns. 
the sheep of Christ will set before them an open door. The sheep of Christ will observe their shepherd and be cautious and shy of strangers who draw them from the faith in him by fancies that they have. It's an interesting thing. I, I looked up this study by Judith Fain. She's a PhD, and she was a candidate at the University of Duran. As part of her study, she would spend several months each year in Israel. One day while walking on the road near Bethlehem, Judith watched three shepherds converged with their separate flocks of sheep. The three men hailed each other and then stopped to talk. And while they were conversing, their sheep intermingled into one big melting pot of sheep. We shouldn't be afraid of other churches. We should intermingle with them. Because as the shepherds come, that's what the sheep would do. They would all come together and they would rub against one another and they'd say, yeah, how's your master treating you? Oh, he's great. Where's he leading you to? Greener pastures. It's amazing. Wondering how these shepherds would even be able to identify their own sheep. Judith waited until the men were ready to say their goodbyes. She watched, fascinated as each of the shepherds called out to his sheep and the sound of the shepherd's voice, like magic, the sheep separated again into three flocks. Apparently, some things in Israel haven't changed for thousands of years because they're still that way today. But you see, we're not in an Eastern culture. We're born to understand Western culture. We think of sheep as being in a closed pasture. And most of our, most of the, our shepherd needs is to open the gate and call the sheep into the next field. That's how we see it. You know, a lifetime ago, I worked on a cattle ranch. And it was a cattle horse ranch. We had a cutting horses and we had great horses on this place. And they wanted me to ride a horse every time. And I, I rode proficiently at the time, but they wanted me to ride a horse every time I wanted to move the cows. And I said, why don't you try calling them? Oh, that's not going to work. Guess what? If they want the greener pasture next door, this one's already ate down. If they want, all you got to do is open the gate and give them a call. And they will come. They'll file in and move into that next pasture. Why? Because it's greener pasture. You didn't have to have a horse. It didn't have to be a cattle drive to go move the cattle. All you had to do was call them. And that's the way we are to be when Jesus calls. When he calls, we hear his voice. If you're not hearing his voice, you need to be talking to him and say, Father, let me hear your voice. Just like these sheep were distinguishing their master's voices. We inhibit but the shepherd, we follow. Some sheep come running as soon as their shepherds call. But others struggle to obey his lead. They go astray whenever temptation strikes. It takes a lot more energy to follow a, follow a wandering shepherd than to be cooped up into a pen. I think they had something going by the shepherd, the way they shepherd, the flocks would follow them. 
This is, this is why it's not supposed to be about the pen that we're in, but the shepherd we follow. Jesus is our shepherd. It's not about the church that we're in. It's not about the building that we're in. It's about our shepherd. It's about who we're following. It's about hearing his voice. Let's look at John 10, 6. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke. And we're talking about the first couple of verses there. They didn't understand it. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He is the door. Let's go to 8 and 9. All who have ever come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and I will go in and he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. See, isn't it interesting? He's telling us that we don't have to stay right here in church. We can go in and out. He leads us to pasture. He knows exactly what it is. Clearly, Jesus was not referring to Abraham, Moses, and the prophets, John the Baptist, and all the others who were called and chosen by God. Jesus was clearly addressing those who corrupted the people from God's way, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, claiming to be teachers of the law and having the authority to regulate the affairs of religion and those and whose only goal was to enrich themselves and to oppress people. These self-made leaders who came before Jesus were only thieves and robbers. This is the people that Jesus was having to deal with Wolves in sheep's clothing who plundered and perverted the people, teaching them another way of life and salvation. Them not knowing who the true Messiah was. Let's look at this most famous scripture. You guys remember John 10, 10. This is probably the second most famous scripture in the Bible. John 10, 10 says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill, to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives life to his sheep. Man, it's really important that we get this. This thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus comes to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. This is exactly what we need is more abundantly. So point number three, the hireling. Let's look at verse 12. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep and sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. This is an interesting scripture. Some people have referred it to pastors, that they're hirelings. I am not a hireling. I am chosen by God to be in this place to lead his sheep through his direction and his calling. 
A hireling is a man who's employed to take care of the sheep whom wages are paid. But he does not own the sheep and who lead the flock to the ravages of the wild beasts. The word, hireling, the word hireling is translated is often employed in a good sense. But here it denotes one who is unfaithful to his trust and especially, especially those ministers who preach only for support. I'm telling you, I'm not here for just only for support. I've said it before and I'm not afraid to say it again. If the church ever come to a place, a position that it could not pay me, I would not leave. The only thing that would move me is God himself saying it's time to move. It's not about the money. It's not about, uh, you know, a hireling that's only here to, to get his paycheck and to do what he does on Sunday and leave and not care about the sheep. There are those who have no boldness in their cause and their master, but who rather lose, would rather lose their reputation or place would, or would see the church corrupted or wasted by spiritual foes. That's not going to happen in this church. Let's look at John 14. Am I keeping up? I am. John 14 through 16. I am the good shepherd. And I know my sheep. And known by my own. We know who he is. We know who God is. And we know his own. If, don't, if you don't, then we better get to praying some. Verse 16. And other sheep... I have which are not of this fold. This is you. This is you. He's talking about you. Them also I must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Praise God. It's not going to be in heaven where the Baptists are over here and the Methodists are over here. Oh, the Pentecostals, they're a little bit crazy. They're going to be over there because they make too much noise. We're going to be one church with one shepherd, it's going to be amazing. And we know, we know who we follow. So let's jump ahead to verse 22. 1022, it says, Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. I like to see that John gives us clues to follow his timeline. We had already determined in the couple messages ago that it was about two and a half years into Jesus's ministry. From there, now it's been about another six months. We're hitting right into the three-year point, and it's only chapter 10. We know Jesus's ministry only went on for three and a half years, so there's a lot of stuff that's going to be happening between here and chapter 22. But the Feast of the Dedication, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch, Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Tell us plainly. Hasn't he been doing that? All along we've heard Jesus telling them plainly. So let's talk about the Feast of Dedication here just for a minute. The Feast of Dedication is mentioned here in the New Testament in the book of John is Hanukkah. Have you guys heard of Hanukkah? That's what the Feast of Dedication is. 
The story of Hanukkah tells us of the origins of the Feast of the Dedication is recorded in the first book of the Maccabees. No, I didn't say Huckabees. I said Maccabees. The Maccabees were an interesting clan of people. Uh, a lot of the Catholic Bibles will have the first and second book of Mac Maccabees. We do not. But Hanukkah is called the Feast of, of Dedication because it celebrates the Maccabees' victory over the oppression and a rededication of the temple in Jerusalem. A miraculous event occurred during the rededication of the temple when God caused, caused the internal flame to burn for eight days on one day's worth of oil. To remember this miracle of provision, candles are lit and burned during the eight days of the Feast of Dedication. In the celebration day, although work is allowed on these days, there is prescribed festival ritual. The family solemnly gathers around the father as he lights the candles with a prayer of thanksgiving to God for the liberation of his people from the persecution of the oppressor. Presents and money gifts are distributed to the children. During the evening, games are played in Europe, a special table dish for the occasion. You want to guess what it is? Pancakes. Pancakes. What a great tradition. The Feast of Dedication. It's important that we remember all that God has done. And it's important that it, they decided to put it right here in John 10. Verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you, you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name. They bear witness of me. See, he's addressing that question that they said. Are you ever going to tell us plainly? Are you ever just going to tell us who you are? And he says, I've told you. But you do not believe. Because you're not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. Understand. They completely understood the analogy of the sheep. They know when a shepherd calls a sheep, the sheep respond. They see it happening every day in their culture in this time. I mean, the cities would literally be full of sheep all in the streets, all intermingling. One shepherd would call a sheep and they would begin to file out. They knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. Let's go to verse 28. And I gave them eternal life. Listen to what Jesus just said. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. You ought to have that on a postcard sitting on your refrigerator. You need to be looking at that every day. No one can snatch you out of God's hand. My father, verse 29, who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. It is just absolutely amazing. Jesus made it absolutely clear of who he was. He said, verse 30. He said, I and my father are one. This is where the problem lies. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. The Pharisees were not relenting and they're wanting to kill Jesus. 
They said it's not because of the good things or the tricks that he does, but because he made himself equal with God. They didn't ask him. Didn't they ask him to tell them plainly? And he did. He told them plainly. I and my father are one. And this really stirred up the pot at this point. Jesus is in trouble now with them big time. Verse 39. Therefore they sought to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand. Isn't it amazing? He just miraculously escapes. I sometimes wonder, did he just vaporize? I mean, we don't know. He's, he's God. He can do whatever he wants. It was not his time. So again, he escapes. Look at John 40 through 42. And he went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was baptizing at first. And there he stayed. You know, Jesus may have been God, but he needed rest too. He needed it just like we need rest. Verse 41, then many came to him and said, John performed, performed no sign, but all things that John spoke about this man were true. And many believed in him. Many. Many believed in him in a time when it seemed like all else was going to fail, that nothing else was going to work. It seemed like to Jesus just a chapter ago, they weren't buying it. They weren't believing, but people were. His sheep, God knows who's going to believe and who's not going to believe. This brings me to the Psalm of David, the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Is he your shepherd? Does he supply your every need? Well, you might say, well, pastor, you just don't understand. I, I've got a PG&E bill that's just out of this world, you know, and he hasn't supplied that need yet. Maybe you need to spend a little more time with him. Maybe you need to pray a little bit more. He says he makes me to lie down in green pastures. How do you think he makes him to lie down in green pastures? You know, that could represent most anything. Remember the picture of Jesus carrying a sheep on his shoulder? You know why? Because he broke the legs of that rebellious sheep that kept wandering away. And then he would carry him until the legs would heal. That's what the shepherd would do. Sometimes he has, it takes a little bit of work to get us to lay down in green pastures. You know, you guys have heard me ask over and over again about prayer requests for my son, Ben. He had another go around with the law. He was texting me this last week because he didn't pay his fine. So they came and arrested him for five days. He got out and they told him, okay, you now owe us another $600 on top of your fines. And uh, we want you to do community service or we're going to keep you in jail. All right. We want you to do community service every day until you find a job. He goes, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute. You say I owe you another $600 on top of my fine. Yep, yep. 
And you tell me I have to do community service every day if I'm not working. When am I going to find a job? It doesn't make any sense. And they said, we're sorry. That's the way it's going to be. You get a job, you let us know. But you go and do community service every day. The first thing he does, he gets back to me and he says, Dad, do you think a church would do, allow me to do community service? I'm over here on this end, jumping up and down, saying, yes, son, Jesus is knocking at your door. There's a, an Assemblies of God church of about 500 people within walking distance from his house. Just walk over there. Introduce yourself. Ask them how you can be of help. I know that they have a food program. Son, we were there when we went back to visit him. We went to that church. If you do this, God will lead you to people that can potentially help you and make friends that you so desperately need. So be praying. Keep praying that this is, we've been waiting for something that would finally, now the courts are saying, you got to do community service. And you got to do it now. And the first thing that popped into his head, praise God, was a church. So we need to continue to pray because something's happening. Something's happening in the realm. God is at work. Verse 4. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Hmm. Hmm. Can you make that statement? Have you ever been in the valley of the shadow of death? I have. And I know that you have too. But we have to fear no evil. See, the thing that we, you have to understand and that we understand as Christians, there may be death in this physical realm and the physical bodies, but we don't die. This is just a transformation of moving on to the next realm that God has for us. Heaven here on earth. Right now, my son may be feeling like he's walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I praise God that he's willing to take him there. That he loves him so much, he'll take him to the breaking point. Because that's where he's going to need to go. He says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do you know, he talks, the Bible talks a lot about the rod and the staff. You know, it wasn't there to beat his sheep. He doesn't use his rod to beat his sheep. That rod and that staff was to beat away the wolves. Was to beat away the wolves, the ones that are coming after the sheep. God doesn't beat people up, but he'll allow things to happen because he loves us so much. He'll let you finally wind up at that place that you can't do anything but turn back to him and say, God, please help me here. Show me that you're real. He doesn't hit us with his rod and his staff. Our God is loving God. 23 5 he says you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies enemies you will anoint my head with oil my cup 
runs over. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Who was God talking about the enemies were back in John 10? Satan, the one that comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. He will prepare a table before your enemies. And the enemies, you know, it looked like the enemies winning, even with my son's case. Oh, Satan's thinking, I've got him, I've got him. No, he hasn't. He's God's. He's God's. And God's going to allow him to enter a place and get to that place where he can't look down anymore. He's got to look up. He's got to look up. There's no other way to go. So right now, I believe that God is preparing a table before him and will anoint his head with oil. And there will be a day that he will say, my cup runs over. Verse 6, it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is goodness and mercy following you? It should be. This is your prayer. Surely goodness and mercy will follow all the days of my life. And I can honestly say that is true. I've prayed, prayed this prayer when I was on bottom and I couldn't see, I couldn't see past my own feet. I couldn't tell where I was gonna go. And now I've committed to my heart that I will dwell in his house. Where is his house? It's right here. I will dwell in this house forever, serving only him. Only him. And it took me a longer time than it took my son to get to where I was. Maybe some of you are in the same place. I don't know. If it's not you, maybe you know someone who's in the same place. Yeah, they know who God is. They know that Jesus died on a cross. They may have even accepted him at one point or another in their lives. I had. And I walked away. Oh, I had plenty of reasons, Robin. I had so many reasons that I could, I couldn't count one now. But at the time, I had so many reasons of why I walked away. She hurt my feelings and that guy and, and this thing. And now I can't even remember why. Why would I walk away from a loving God? But the beauty of it is, is he never walked away from me. He stayed with me the whole time, the entire time. He was with me. Through all the mistakes, through all the trials, through all the troubles that I caused, he was there with me. So when I have a child that's in trouble, I see them, they're in financial trouble, they're in legal trouble. You know what? I haven't got a worry in the world because he's God's and she's God's. 
all my kids, they belong to God. I continue to pray for them, each one, every day. Every day. I've been ministering to my daughter. She lives over in Tracy. One of these days, I hope to get her up here to visit with us. And I know that she loves the Lord. I know that because she's accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior, but she's not living it. She was sick last week and she said, Dad, something's happened to me. Something's, something's, something happened. I was sick and she went to the hospital. And she says she had an out-of-body experience. She said, I don't know what happened, but she said, God is real. And I said, oh yeah, honey, he is. He is, he's real. Heaven is real. She had a sense of heaven in a matter of a second's time. She goes, I know it seemed like it was an hour, but it was only for a second. I feel like I saw heaven. Do you realize what God has given you? To see heaven for just a second? You got to turn it around. You got to start living for him. You got to believe in the cross. You got to believe that he died for us. She says, I don't know what to do first. Open your Bible, honey. I gave you my Bible. Go to John. Read the book of John. Call me, text me, ask me questions. I don't care. God is moving. Because I think time is short. We can see that in the world we live in today. We haven't got all that much time. Oh, maybe he won't come in my lifetime. Maybe it'll be the next generation. I don't know. But all I know is there's an urgency in my spirit to tell people about the love of God, about Jesus and what he's doing. Tony, could I get you to come back? And... There's so much going on in the spiritual realm that we need to be paying attention to. The little things that are said, the little things that are done. It's important that we pay attention. God is at work. And maybe he's broke our legs and we're laying down in the green pasture trying to heal up, just trying to get ready for the next place that he would have us go. I don't know. I know that everybody here is probably a born-again believer. And I'm very thankful for that, to have a church of born-again believers. But how many is willing to admit that I'm just still a person? I'm just a human being. I'm fallible. I make mistakes. I'm fallible. 